and welcome to Teen Scientist. I'm your host, Raina Malhotra, and doing our audio engineering is Sarit Lishinsky. Here on the show, I bring you stories of groundbreaking innovation in the science, technology, engineering, and math disciplines entirely from a youth perspective. We feature young researchers and respected experts in their fields at a local, regional, and national level. On tonight's segment, we have our very first international high school student joining us all the way from Zimbabwe. Osi Rumiji Ihude is a young scientist, inventor, space enthusiast, and climate activist, and we have the privilege of learning all about his great work today. Welcome, Osi Rumiji. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me today. Thank you so much for making the time to join us on the show. Now, before we get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, so um, hi everyone. My name is Osirumiji Hude. I'm currently 17 years old and a 10th grade high school student in Harare, Zimbabwe. And what are your major interests as a student and as a researcher? Yeah, so I'm very passionate about science and technology, specifically robotics and programming. I also really love astronomy and I'm currently the president of the students for the exploration and development of space Zimbabwe juniors. And were these interests things that you always had from a young age, or was there one specific activity or moment that made you realize this was your passion? Um, not really. As a young kid, I was really curious about a lot of things, but the thing that caught my attention the most was science and tech. And I read lots and lots of books about famous scientists and tried to learn about complex topics that were probably above my age at the time. But I was so captivated by it all that I started playing around with electric gadgets at home and just trying to figure out how they, how and why they worked. And before I realized it, I found a new passion in science and tech. I now want to transition to talk about your actual research projects, starting with the device you designed, CardioGo. What is this device and how exactly does it work? So CardioGo is a project that my friend Tatiana Masamba and I built to try to combat hypertension, also known as high blood pressure. It works by consistently measuring the wearer's blood pressure on a daily basis. And once the device detects an increase in BP levels above the normal limits, it automatically applies acupressure to the patient, thereby lowering the patient's BP. And so while our studies have shown that acupressure is quite effective at doing this, sometimes the patient may be having consistent or extremely high blood pressure levels. And this raises a red flag because it may be linked to other diseases. So we built in a system to notify the wearer and any other pre-assigned contacts in case something like this happens. And why is combating hypertension specifically such a critical issue in the medical world today? Okay, so hypertension is a really serious medical condition that significantly increases the risk of heart, brain, kidney, and other diseases. And an estimated 1.2 billion adults worldwide have hypertension, and nearly two-thirds of them are living in low- to middle-income countries. Every year, approximately 8 million people die from hypertension-related complications, which is about 12.8% of all deaths globally. And effective control of hypertension can really decrease the incidence of heart, and of heart attacks and strokes and really try to bring down the number of deaths due to this. So where did you and your partner get the idea to even make this device? Was there a specific person that inspired you? How did you get the idea? Yeah, so um, as I said, um, hypertension is really a major cause for concern. And unfortunately, 
people in Zimbabwe seem to overlook the seriousness of this issue, mostly because it's really expensive to get treatment in Zimbabwe, and also it might not be easily accessible in other areas. And so after learning all about this, we decided to try to find a way to make hypertension treatment and monitoring more affordable and accessible for everyone, regardless of their location or socioeconomic status. And have you designed a working prototype for this device yet? And do you plan to get it on the market in the near future? Yeah, so far we've only managed to make a basic prototype for testing purposes only, since we're still working on making the gadgets and giving it additional functionalities like using thermoelectric pads to make it run directly off your body heat or keep an eye out for other chronic diseases that are closely linked to the heart. But that's definitely a great idea that we are going to consider since it was one of the first goals of our research anyway. You also worked on another project called Player X. Can you briefly tell me a little bit about what this tool or project did and who you collaborated with to work on it? Okay, so Player X was a project that I did as part of the Exploring the Extremes Challenge from the New York Academy of Sciences last year. And I was part of a team of six students from different parts of the world and we're under the guidance of Dr. Gary Snyder. So Player X was basically this diving suit that we designed, but then it was actually designed to be able to help divers go deeper and further than current diving suits allow. And we think that this is a very important tool because um, currently the oceans are the most unexplored parts of our planet. And we actually, people have, have actually said that we know more about space than we do about the oceans. And so we're just basically trying to find a way to push deeper into the oceans and try to know more about what life is. And where did you guys all get the idea to develop this kind of product? So for the challenge, we were told to build something that was going to solve a problem that hasn't that doesn't have much research on it currently. And so we saw oceans as a very good place to implement our ideas because like it's very little research that has been done with it. And there's also a lot of promise since we don't know what lies underneath and there might actually be a lot of benefits we might get from exploring the oceans and finding out what might be in there. Amazing. And lastly, you have a work in progress called Opportunityverse. Can you tell us a little bit about this project? Yeah, so Opportunityverse is a platform that my friends and I are building to provide free access to opportunities, scholarships, and learning resources for students around Zimbabwe, regardless of where they live and their economic status. And so um. I've come across a lot of students who have had brilliant ideas and goals, but just couldn't find the support they needed at the time and might have ended up dropping whatever it was they were pursuing. And so we decided to come up with a centralized platform where they'll be able to get support in whatever it is, whether it's STEM or non-STEM related, and whether they need um, support from their peers or from other organizations, which may be out of reach for them at the time. And I know this is definitely something students here in the U.S. would also love to use. So do you ever plan to expand internationally? Yeah, we're definitely going to expand our reach to other students around the world um, once we are done launching the Zimbabwean side of it. 
Well, that's great. And I, I love hearing about all these different projects. They're very creative ideas, and I, I love the way that you approach each of them. I now want to transition quickly into your other skills and involvements, starting with coding. At what age did you start learning computer programming? I started at the age of 15. And as of today, how many languages are you able to code in? Okay, so at the moment, I'm mostly working with Python, and I know it is in bit of C++ from my various Arduino microcontroller projects. And I'm also into website development, so I'm really fluent in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and just recently ventured into mobile app development with Flutter. So I'd say roughly maybe four or five that I know of at the moment. And were these all languages that you learned in school or did you have to teach them to yourself? Yeah, so when I first started learning how to code, my school didn't offer computer, didn't offer computer studies at our school. And internet access was also really expensive at the time. It can be really expensive in Zimbabwe. And so I had very limited um, choices at the time and I ended up having to teach myself by playing around with other people's source code and just trying to make use of any apps that I could find on the Play Store. So what advice would you give to our listeners who also may be interested in learning to teach themselves how to code or who are just getting involved with programming for the very first time? Yeah, I'd really encourage anyone who is interested in learning how to code to take it up seriously and if you're a complete beginner who's thinking about teaching yourself, there's really a lot of resources out there that you can make, make use of. For example, we have Harvard CS50 or the Mimo app. And I personally recommend learning Python first because it's very simple yet powerful at the same time. Though the choice is really yours since only you know what you want to do with the coding languages after that. And what would you say was the hardest part of teaching yourself how to program things on your own? Yeah, so I'd say that the hardest part about teaching myself how to code was basically try to understand the stuff that I was learning because sometimes I learn about something and try to, let's say, write the code down and try to start debugging. Then I get all these errors. And um, since I really had no one to talk to or to help guide me through this process, it was really frustrating at first. And most of the time it's really depressing because I just feel like um I'm probably wasting my time since nothing was working out. But then with time, I ended up getting better and better and finding other resources that really helped me understand what I was doing. So which resources did you use? Were there like videos online or did you use books? Like how did you learn all this? Yeah, so most of the time um, I'd... I try to go on YouTube and just try to see what other people who might have come across that program are doing. And oh, for other like coding related problems, I try platforms like Stack Overflow or just basically find stuff on the internet. Well, as much as I would like to learn more, we do need to pause for a quick break. But when we return, Asi Rumiji will discuss his other skills and involvements and provide some valuable advice to our listeners. This is Raina Malhotra, and you are listening to Teen Scientist. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. 
Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Tune up your week with a great variety of jazz music on WDIY, Monday through Friday nights from 9 to 11, offers many choices from the world of jazz, featuring traditional to modern styles, plus Swing Sunday at 5 p.m. and Improvisational Jazz on the Bridge, Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Listen for new releases, interviews with artists, and information on upcoming performances right here on WDIY. Welcome back to Teen Scientist on WDIY. This is Raina Malhotra, and I'm here with our special guest all the way from Zimbabwe, Asirumiji Uhude. We just finished discussing his three major research projects, and now we are going to dive right back in talking about his other skills and involvements. Asirumiji, you have been involved in several philanthropic organizations and volunteering activities. Can you first tell us about your involvement with Elevate Trust as a climate ambassador? Elevate Trust is this youth empowerment organization in Zimbabwe, and they are all about STEM and like bringing more youths into it. And so they recently launched their Climate Ambassadors program, which is a program where they are like trying to like raise awareness about climate change through youth and, uh, and young students. And so I was selected as one of their first cohort of student ambassadors. And basically what we do is try to raise awareness about climate change wherever we are, be it at school or at home or at any other organizations or functions that we might be at. And what other projects or initiatives are you involved in related to climate change and sustainability specifically? Personally, I'm not really involved in like many initiatives like related to climate change, though I do personally advocate for it on my own. For example, back in 2020, I was invited by UNICEF to speak um, about climate change in Zimbabwe and how it affects us as youth. And so it's not really much, but I just really love advocating about climate change and like spreading the word out there. And that's just as important. So I don't think that's any less impactful than being involved in initiatives because advocating for climate change is just as important. Um, how would you say the perspectives on climate change in Zimbabwe are similar or different to the rest of the world and more specifically the U.S.? So I wouldn't say that perspectives on climate change in Zimbabwe are different from the rest of the world because here in Zimbabwe, it's, we really care about it as much as any other country in the world. For example, one of our major service providers that is NetOne, they recently stopped selling their recharge cards because of the environmental impact of this. And there's really a lot going on and I really feel like Zimbabweans really care about and it's not just any other country. And we're really making great strides in trying to reduce our greenhouse emissions as a country. And in your area specifically, which areas are you guys focusing on improving, like air pollution or what specific issues are you guys trying to tackle first? Okay, so from what I've observed, pollution is really like one of the made probably the major causes of like the, our major contribution of for climate change here in Zimbabwe. And I remember 
we were once going to have a ban on plastic bags, but I'm not really sure what happened to that. But a lot of people here actually focused on trying to reduce pollution, whether it be land or water pollution. Though I'm not so sure about air, but we need to care about pollution. Yeah, definitely. And what would you say the next major steps are for us as a society in the fight against climate change? Yeah, so I believe that we really have a long way to go as a society in the fight against climate change. And probably one of the biggest things we can do right now is just trying to reduce our greenhouse emissions as a planet. And this can be achieved in many ways, for example, using clean and renewable energy sources such as wind, solar and hydropower. We can try reducing our fossil fuel usage and implementing carbon capture technologies. And though I believe that um, we can actually make the most impact if we really unite as a planet and like every single person just tries to play their parts in fighting the fighting against this problem. Because as a person, there's really a lot you can do. You can like try using less power, try to recycle, reduce the use. There's really a lot. And that's, even though it might seem like it's a lead to, it's actually goes a long way in the fight against climate change. I now want to transition a little bit. You are currently a club trainer for the Forum for African Women Educationalists. Can you tell us a little bit more about this organization and your role specifically? Yeah, so when I was in ninth grade, I was um, involved in this program from the Forum for African Women Educationalists Zimbabwe or Fawesi, where they were basically teaching us about school-related gender-based violence and how we can deal with it as students. And so as a trainer, we were taught on how to like, let's say what to do in case you come across one of these situations at school. And one of, I think I said one of my biggest accomplishments so far is that I've actually been able to help set up, we call them Tuseme clubs. Tuseme is Swahili for speak up. So we've set up a few of these clubs, both at my like at my school and at many other schools in the area I live in, which is Chitongwiza. So um, what we generally do is just try to reduce the impact of school-related gender-based violence and get everyone on board, that is the teachers, the parents, like our community members, all together just trying to, so they can like tell them about TBV and how it affects us as learners and what we can do to stop it. Yeah, and that's really important. So what kind of skills or lessons did you take away as a trainer for this? Yeah, so I'd say that one of the biggest skills I got from this program is how probably might be my communication skills because I am really not that good when it comes to talking to people and all that. But ever since I got involved in this program, I've been able to interact with a lot of people and it's really helping me like hone my people skills. And Yeah, well, that's an amazing skill to have. And I think you're speaking amazing. So I feel like whatever that program helps you with, it's it's really done well. I now want to move on to your interests with astronomy. Specifically, you're part of the Students for Exploration and Development of Space organization. Can you tell us a little bit about your role in this? Okay, so SEDS, uh, short for the Students for the Exploration and Development of Space, is an international student organization that we have. And our main purpose is to promote space exploration and development through different 
educational and engineering projects that we have. And currently I'm the president of said Zimbabwe Juniors, which is kind of like a junior chapter of SEDS, but for high school students. And so we really try out to do our best to promote space in Zimbabwe. For example, we've like we've had many space talks whereby we gather together like on an online platform and we just basically try to talk about different space concepts. And what are some aspects of space that interest you the most? So personally, I'm really, I really love the engineering aspect of space. Was there's really a lot that goes into like trying to build rockets and things like satellites and to make sure that they work all the other dynamics and basically all the tech that goes into it. I just I'm just really interested by it and I probably try to work more on that when I grow up. And where do you hope to see the future of space research and space exploration going in the next few years? Yeah, so in the next few years, I would really like to see space um, as a place where all the nations can just basically come together and work for a better planet. Because currently, not a lot of nations are involved in space exploration. And like, whilst other countries, like say, for example, we just recently started our own space agency back in 2017. And most countries still have a long way to go in terms of catching up, but I do hope that in the future, we will both like have an equal playground in space and have like better chances to collaborate and advance space exploration. And you definitely do seem to keep yourself busy. So I want to ask if you have any advice on how you manage to balance all these activities with your academic life. Yeah, great question. So one thing that you probably have to remember as a student researcher is that your grades at school really matter probably more than anything else. Because one way or the other, they'll end up affecting you and your research either positively or negatively. And finding the right balance between activities and schoolwork is key to becoming the most productive version of yourself. So what kind of practices do you use? Do you you know, keep lists? Do you use a planner? How do you manage all of these different activities? Yeah, so for me, I just basically try to plan my activities well ahead of time. Let's say I'm at the beginning of every week, I just basically write down what my goals are for that week and what the time allocation for each activity would be and like how long I'm going to be studying and all that. All right. And then what is the biggest lesson that you have learned over the years as a student researcher? Yes. So I'd say that science research and innovation is not as hard as people portray it to be. There's never a shortage of discoveries waiting to be found and problems that need to be solved. With the right mindset and dedication, you can go very far in whatever field you choose to pursue, regardless of whether you were before or not. And have there ever been any major hurdles that you've had to overcome either during your research or throughout life in general? And how have you dealt with them? Yeah, so for me, I'd say that getting into the tech and science space was a bit challenging at first, as I had no one to help guide me through the process. And I actually had a lot of failures and projects that didn't work the way way I intended them to at first. 
And also learning how to code by myself was also very challenging, but I just kept a strong mindset through all this and did the best I could to keep going. And also, luckily for me, my mom was super supportive and helped me get through most of these challenges. And talking about the future, what are your major plans looking ahead? Are you applying to colleges or do you plan to? And what are your career goals? Yeah, I plan on applying to college after I'm done with high school and doing something like aerospace engineering or computer science, though I'm not really sure which one I want the most between the two. And then for career goals, is there any sort of profession that you're looking towards or, you know, role models that you have? When I was really young, I remember I actually wanted to be an astronaut. But then as time moved on, I set my eyes on other goals. And so right now, I'm just really not sure what I want to do. But what I do know is that like it's going to be really involved like with things like aerospace engineering and space exploration. And lastly, what pieces of advice would you give to our young listeners who are interested in making a difference in the world of science or research? Yeah, I'd say just follow your passion. Do what's close to your heart and never let anyone tell you that it doesn't matter or you can't do it. Because no matter how difficult things may look right now, it's all going to be worth it at the end. That's a great piece of advice. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work? I'm not really active on social media, but you can look up my name. That is Osirumiji Hude on LinkedIn or visit my website at osirumiji.eth. That's O-S-I-R-U-M-I-J-I dot Perfect. And thank you so much for joining us today and telling us more about your groundbreaking work. It's inspiring to see other high school students make their impact on the world in such unique ways. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to WDIY. I'm Raina Malhotra, and I'll see you next time.